Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. This is a match preview. Newcastle face Leicester on Friday night in 8pm kickoff in front of the TV cameras. I'm joined by John Gibson as we look ahead to that game and back as well on Newcastle's 2-0 defeat to Arsenal over the last weekend. John, that's where we'll start that game against Arsenal. I didn't watch it, thankfully, uh, in hindsight. Can you just explain to me just how bad or perhaps good it was? Well, bad without a shadow of doubt. (laughs) If you just look back to the dark old days of... uh, of Brighton and beyond, that's what you were looking at at this game. We just reverted to nature, back to our worst. We were inept, we lacked energy and motivation, play was slow, we were cautious in our approach. It was was everything that hasn't worked in the past and everything that has worked to a great extent was forgotten about. It, It was us back to our worst and One of the things that irritated me is that I said before the game in my Chronicle articles, etc., I said Newcastle have got to play the game, not the name. And in other words, play what's in front of you, not the name of the club. They had two successive fixtures against Liverpool and Arsenal, who were two of the great clubs of recent times, but both nowhere near what they were. And if we forget that they're called Liverpool and we forget they're called Arsenal, they're very beatable and we've got to get after them. And quite frankly, with Arsenal, we looked as if we were playing the Arsenal of old in our approach to it. Um, We showed far too much reverence. I mean, they were there for the taking. This was a match stage between Europa uh, League semi-final two legs which meant that the thoughts were very much elsewhere. Arsenal have had one of their worst Premier League seasons in Yonks. They came up here 11th in the table. They made eight changes, which showed exactly where their priority was, and it wasn't the Newcastle United match, it was Villarreal. Uh, and yet we never got out of the out of the traps. They had a reserve keeper in, Ryan, who had never won a match while on loan at Arsenal and was never tested throughout the whole 90 minutes. You've got a cover keeper in, you're going to shoot on sight, aren't you? But we never tested him at all. They had a left-back in, who's a, an absolute hothead. He's a midfield player. He's a walking yellow card. He inevitably got a yellow card after just 20 minutes. He played the next 70 minutes and was never put under any pressure where he would have responded without a shadow of doubt and and could easily have been sent off. But we never got amongst him. We never rattled cages. We never stuck a calling card in. And Murphy, who could have got at this emergency left back and caused him complete problems, spent his whole game chasing shadows, trying to stop Martinelli from playing, who was absolutely outstanding for Arsenal. And he spent all his time playing as an out-and-out right-back when that is the one thing he isn't, and never played as a right-winger and got an emergency full-back. I mean, the whole thing was just a revert to nature. And um, you know what? what is worrying about that, Andrew, is that... There's no doubt that Lady Luck has been smiling on us recently since Brighton. I mean, without at all being anything but grateful for the points we've got. Against Liverpool, they could have been out of sight before our two goal situations uh, in injury time. If their front three had played as normal, they would have been out of sight. 
West Ham, who played against 10 men, the gift of us, literally the first two goals were embarrassing, an own goal and the keeper dropping the ball behind them, and yet we let them back to 2-2 before we, we sneaked it. Spurs was the first team to be willicked um, near the death to get us a point, and Burnley were behind and struggling before we turned the game round. I mean, and Lady Luck smiled on her again here playing Arsenal between two European games and with eight changes, 11th in the table, it was a nonsense. Um, and yet, we didn't have a go at it. It, it. And quite frankly, you know, we've been mumbling on on Newcastle United, have Steve Bruce has been going on saying we'll be all right when our top players are back. When our top players are back at the right end of the pitch, we are okay. Well, our top players were back. Almiron had been injured a little while back. He was back for a short while. Um, Sam Maximum had been back for a while, and here was Callum Wilson starting. So he had his back players back, and we weren't all right. We were far from all right because other problems appeared all over the park. Bottom line, Andrew, is we've won four games out of our last 25 and that is a fact that doesn't no amount of talking can talk its way around. And that is why we're fourth bottom of the Premier League as it stands at the moment and exceptionally grateful for Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham. We always talk, John, and you always say your message to the players would be, don't show any fear, let's get yeah. at them, let's rattle them. And as you Absolutely. say there about Arsenal, everything was set up for Newcastle to, to be able to do that, to get the three points to all but secure safety. Yep. And they didn't. Yep. And then I'm just reading Steve Bruce's quotes. Um, when I heard heard this on Match of the Day, it did anger mm. me somewhat when he, he says, you know, we're disappointed because we haven't got near the performances of late. Arsenal played really well. It's a poor goal after four minutes. And um, this, is the, this is the bit that angered us. When you're chasing against these lads, it's always going to be difficult. And I'm thinking... <laughs> You know, if this was the Invincibles, then yes. yes if this absolutely. was even yeah. five years ago, maybe, yes. But this is Arsenal, as, as you've said previously in the show here, that aren't on their, you know, they're having a horrible season, really, in terms of where we expect Arsenal to be. You know, yeah. they don't look like the Arsenal of old. They're not a team to be feared. And yet, to me, I interpret that as Steve Bruce, again, just playing down the strengths of Newcastle and playing up the opposition, when in reality, Arsenal... Well, you know, they they're in. They should be within reaching distance of Newcastle. If Newcastle were at the top of their game, yeah, I mean, hence my thing saying, you know, play the game, don't play the name, yeah. because Arsenal are just Arsenal in name only. Their first team were came here eleventh in the Premier League. That's beneath halfway. That's there had been talk that Mikel Arteta was facing the sack. In fact, um, Martin Keown, who was a legend at Arsenal, suggested that uh, he, he really was lucky to be in a job. Uh, that was the first team that were 11th. This was the reserves. This was with eight changes. Uh, and yet... They were so comfortable against us, but anybody would have been comfortable against us because we never got out the, the blocks. We were back to what would have been the majority of the season. And which, I, you know, I'm sick of being told that Arsenal are, are, are a good team or so. I mean, that's manager speak now. Newcastle plays Sheffield United. Off. You wait a minute, we'll play Fulham on the last day of the season and we'll be told they're a good team, mind. Um, it is an absolute nonsense. Uh, you know, they're just words. Uh, you know, like all the excuses are, well, you know, I always knew when everybody was back, we'll, um, we'll be okay. I mean, the talk before the game was whether we could top last season's position in the league table and top the points tally. Um, and then we go out and put on a performance like that. We know if we'd beaten Arsenal, and that Arsenal side was so beatable it was untrue, we would now be safe. Hmm. Um, but we didn't, and we now face Leicester and Man City before we get the two deadbeats at the end. It is a nonsense, and whatever way we look at this, we will stay up because the bottom three are so bad, not because we are decent. 
we will stay up for that reason, and that will not be an improvement on last season and is not good enough for a club like Newcastle United. They are facts, and they can be coloured any way that anybody might want to colour them, but you can't fool the jury public because they see it exactly like that. What has happened in our name has simply not been good enough. Why do you think they didn't turn up on Sunday? I mean, we've got another quote here from Steve Bruce, and he says, We're delighted to see we are a bigger threat. Alan St. Maxman, the last few weeks, has produced all sorts of magic, but it wasn't quite there today. And again, that is another comment that sort of worries me. Now, I know you always want your best players, but the clues yeah. in the name there, it's plural, best players. And I do fear that Newcastle are going to be over-reliant on Alan St. Maxman, who... You know, if he doesn't turn up, as Steve Bruce says he didn't really today, then Newcastle seem to be lacking a threat. Yeah. And yeah, so then, I mean, then what's plan B? We, we've become a one-man team. And while you always rely on your best performers, you've got to be more than that. This is a team game. It's not a, it, it's not a one-man game. When we had Alan Shearer, uh, we still had a team around him uh, in the the entertainers' years um, when we finished second top and in the years of Sir Bobby Robson when we finished third top. The, he might have been the star in front of the microphone with the spotlight on him, but the outriders were pretty damn decent as well. You've got to go beyond uh, just being a one one-man show. And as well, you know that within any team sport over a long nine-month season, you're going to get injuries. Everybody gets injuries. Liverpool had injuries with Van Dijk, etc., etc., etc. You've got to be able to keep going, and you know when you put your squad together in the summer, whether you're relying on one man, whether injuries will kill you completely or not, and you've got to prepare for that. And what we've also got to remember, Andrew, is we're going to the summer and try to sort things out we still haven't got a regular top goal scorer. Yes, Callum Wilson is pretty good and he got 10 quickly, albeit with a few penalties in there, but of course he couldn't build enough because of his injury. Um, I mean, are we going to rely next season on San Maximum for his ability to open up defences and Callum Wilson to be able to finish and if we're truthful, I'm stuttering there a little bit because, you know, heaven be it that we should criticise one of the best players we've got. But his record's not phenomenal by any standards. His goal-scoring record of Wilson is not phenomenal by any standards. And we've got to find people that will put the ball in the net or collectively across the park from midfield and up top it will get us enough goals. And, of course, Joe Willick comes into that thinking because of the goals he's got and because he, he gets in the box arriving late and, and does a good job. But we are short all over the park, even with our decent players at the moment. And then, of course, we're, we're going to eventually, with Leicester coming up and it, another team selection coming up, saying, all right, if we're happy to have Callum Wilson back with... San Alan San Maximum up front, and by the way, we are very happy about that. We've got a massive midfield problem, which was only accentuated yet again against Arsenal. And there's decisions to be made in who plays in, in those positions because we were beneath our best. And, you know, we've been papering over the cracks a little bit recently anyway. Yeah, I think the the main issue is just having someone to fill in for St. Maxman or Wilson when they do get injured. As we saw earlier this season, the players who stepped up didn't produce the goods. And I think every good team has backup players who can offer at least half of what your star players can offer. And no disrespect to Dwight Gale, who wasn't helped by the fact he was played in the wrong position. Uh, no. You know, We know Joe Linton's not a prolific goal scorer. We know, you know we haven't got the players to... to really even compete with Alan St. Maximum and Callum Wilson, which is a, is a massive issue because you can only get better in any way of life with someone pushing you to, to, to improve. Yeah, I mean, you know, we look it up front and we've got bodies there for when these guys are out. 
But it, when you think of, of what their record is, Dwight Gale just doesn't get uh, any starts whatsoever. We talk about a new contract. I'm not certain what he's allowed to bring to the table. Andy Carroll may as well not be here because he is since... Um, well, I mean, he was because of injuries and because of his goal-scoring record, he wasn't getting involved much in any case. But since Graham Jones has come, he, he, he's he's just a spare part sitting by the side of the pitch. And and I'm not suggesting for one minute he's good enough to be any better. But uh, you know, talk of a new contract there would be silly. Joe Linton, I don't want to go on about because we seem to be as if I'm fixated by it. But for forty million and the goal record he's got over two seasons, you know, I don't want to hear that he strips well and looks apart. And if we could only find his position on the field, we might have a half decent player. If we can find his position, we paid a club record fee for him. We should know his position. We should know where he plays and where he's best, and we should play him there. If that happens to be centre-forward or right-side striker or left-side striker, I'm sorry, if you're playing those positions, you've got to have a decent goal return because you're up front. And there's no longer five people up front like there used to be in the 50s when you played two, three, five. There's a couple of players up front, and Joel Linton doesn't punch his weight. Neither does Dwight Gale. Neither does Andy Cavill. We and and if there's one thing Son Maximum could add to his game, it is goals. So you know we are short there. And as for goals from midfield, until Willock came on the scene, forget about it. Um, the red card. John, in a word, was it did Cher deserve to be sent off? Good question. Um, it was a debatable one, but the bottom line is that if you're 2-0 down, 89 minutes have gone, you've been lucky to get over the halfway line, you've been tepid the whole game, what are you doing launching yourself into a tackle of any sort? The game is dead and buried by then. You've just come on as a sub. You're playing for your fitness. You're playing to be kept at Newcastle. You're playing to get in the Euros. And you get yourself banned for three games. It is a nonsense. It's not as as much a question as did he deserve the red, because you can argue it any way you want, but at the bottom of the, the pile of referee, give it. But even putting yourself in a position where you might get a red, in Shaw's situation, where game time is so imperative and he's worked so hard to get back in the side before the end of the season, for the Euros as well as for Newcastle United and for his contract, to do something reckless with a minute to go is just nonsensical. It is just very, very silly. Before we talk about Leicester, then I just want to ask you this question. Because um, when I saw the results and then I, I read the, the report, my instant thought was, this is why we can't or we shouldn't say, or, or rather the Newcastle United board shouldn't say that Steve Bruce is safe just because he's achieved promotion. Because my fear is, John, is that for every three or four decent results we'll get, Newcastle will then slip into this, they'll revert to type as they did against Arsenal, and we'll just repeat the same cycle going into next season, to which yes. then the fans will hopefully be back in the ground, but then you have the reaction of them if Newcastle don't turn up against uh, Arsenal or they get beat 3-0 off Brighton at home. Can you imagine the reaction? And my worry is, is that if that happens, and then oh. Steve Bruce eventually gets sacked or he walks in October or November you've then lost you've lost the pre-season you've lost the transfer window and then you've lost two three months of the season do you know what I mean totally. so I think yeah I don't think we can say that Steve Bruce should have his job safe at the moment I think a real discussion needs to be had whether he is the man to take Newcastle United forward into next season I mean the the, the bottom line is this you know when you listen to Steve Bruce you think Oh, this was a little blip against Arsenal. We didn't start. We we were poor from beginning to end. But it was a blip, and we've been great recently, etc., etc. The situation is that we've won four times in the last 25 games. Now, the 25 games isn't a blip. 
25 games is a heck of a long time. We've only managed four wins in that. And the great worry is that there's no way that Steve Bruce is conning the public by saying what he considers the right things after games because the public have had enough of it. And what is worrying, as you say, we'll come to next season, the crowds are back, the the atmosphere could be toxic because the, all the pent-up emotion that the crowd have had during this season, they, they'll be able to to let flow if things aren't going right. We'll have bought <coughs> this summer and the way we bought last year outside of Wilson disastrously. When you look at Hendrick, you look at Lewis, who's seen as often as Lord Lucan now. Um, and we've just done poorly in the transfer market. And, of course, we're wasting all next season. But the, the worry is, does Ashley care? He only... Does he has he ever cared, Bud? Especially now, as long as we are in the Premier League, all he's concerned about is trying to sell the club. In the meantime, we rot and go from from bad to worse. And the big concern, and you're quite right, Andrew. The big concern is when I look at the Steve Bruce situation, and when I look at the poisonous feeling amongst fans, etc., etc. There's only one question to be asked if you're the owner of Newcastle United, and that is, do you honestly believe your manager can win over the fans and get them back on side? And I cannot see that happening for the love of me because it has gone too far. It's it's like a marriage that's heading for a divorce court. You know, at the last minute, you can't go on a honeymoon to the Bahamas and everything's wonderful. Um, it isn't like that. And therefore, these are very, very worrying times for Newcastle because as far as the owner is, the owner is concerned, and let's not in all this about Steve Bruce, etc., forget about the part played by Ashley, either because we've had it for 13 years or because we think he's on the way out. Maybe he's not on the way out. Maybe this this takeover is going to die in the water and we've got to start all over again in finding somebody. How long are, is a club of the history and the size and the support of Newcastle United supposed to walk down cul-de-sacs and be grateful for surviving before we make any attempt. What we are faced with on Friday night is a club which is exactly what we ought to be. Leicester City spent 10 years outside of the Premier League from 2004 to 2014. 10 years outside. And what have they done since? They've won... The, champ- the Premier League Championship five years ago, they're currently third top of the Premier League, heading for the Champions League, and are in the first FA Cup final for 52 years. We ought to be Leicester City. I look at Leicester City and I'm green with envy because they were from a worse standing start when they went down in 2004. They... they didn't come back for 10 years and actually went down to the old the old third division, the league Sunderland are in currently, for a season during that. Um, so they started from a worse mark than we were up here, and yet look where they are. Newcastle United fans have every right to look at Leicester and say, for goodness sake, what has gone down there? What's the difference? Because we've had a... a an owner, Ashley, who has no ambition for the club, does not want to spend more pennies than is necessary and only wants survival. They were taken over by the the Thai owners and have had one thing in mind to make this club a success and something to be proud of. And they have shown that it can be done. And there's the perfect example when the kickoff on Friday night, Leicester against Newcastle, Newcastle ought to be a Leicester. Instead of that, we're supposed to be grateful, according to Ashley, for staying up this year and 
Steve Bruce will be able to say, job done, the remit I was given, I have succeeded in doing it, I keep Newcastle up. I'm all supposed to what? Get out the open top coach and go round St. James's Park and uh, down and round the monument, etc. I don't think so, no. 100% agree with you there, John. I do look at Leicester and I'm, I'm just jealous of the ambition, the investment. Oh. I think we've mentioned it before where I think I said it was probably only a few weeks ago that the they won the Premier League and that could have been it. They could have then just said, you know what, we've done of it, course. no one expected it, and they could have gone, you know, they're in the history books. Why why do we need to do any more? And yet their owners have gone and said, you know what, no, we're gonna be we want to be here full time. We want to be an established top side. And it's great to see, I think, from a neutral perspective, but from a someone who loves Newcastle, yeah, very, very envious of just that ambition. Um, and just before we get on to the game, just a quick reminder to please like and subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free to do. Just hit subscribe on whatever you're getting us through. And it just means every time we upload a new episode, it'll flash up on your phone and you can listen straight away. And stick with us after you've heard from John Gibson, because we're going to be joined by the Leicester Mercury's Jordan Blackwell, who covers Leicester City. And he's going to give us the insight into the Foxes ahead of Friday. So, John, on to why we're here. Leicester City, Friday, battling for the Champions League into the FA Cup final. A very good manager in charge, a host of great players with something to play for as well because they've got teams breathing down their neck for this Champions League spot. And it's fair to say that Newcastle United are far from favourites coming into this game. No, absolutely not. Uh, But yet, you know, the intriguing thought is that... um, we, I've built up Leicester and quite rightly so as a club and as a team they are third top of the Premier League and in the FA Cup final yet at home they are vulnerable that is their Achilles heel they either win or lose uh, there's no in between the home record is 1-9 drawn 1 and lost 7 lost 7 away the one ten, drawn 4 and only lost 2 they either win or lose at home so they are vulnerable at their place they can be taken um, uh, advantage of but whether Newcastle United have the ability the inclination or the desire to go and try to take advantage of that situation is a totally different kettle of fish. And we have always said as well, Andrew, that sides are as good, and Steve Bruce has said this, are as good or indifferent or poor as their strike force. And while Newcastle haven't got goals outside in the side, outside of Callum Wilson, they have... Vardy was their top man uh, when they won the title. Uh, he's still very, very tasty. And uh, I, and, uh, and the other guy um, who's playing up front, who's coming out of nowhere after being at Man City uh, and looked very average when he first arrived at Leicester, 17 goals and six assists this season. Uh, 12 goals in his last 10 games. They've got strikers. The, the difference also is that Leicester feed those two strikers very, very quickly. The transfer defence to attack very quickly, playing the channels and hitting them for these two to run and run and run. We do not. Our build-up is very slow and one-dimensional. Why? Because we've got problems in midfield. I mean, we could do a whole programme on that, but just mention it quick. Shelby, for me now, is a dinosaur. When all midfield is about pace and power these days and drive, etc., uh, etc., et we've got a one-paced guy here who can't get round the field when he hasn't got the ball, is so limited, it's untrue. People have just run off him and run past him. And he thinks one Hollywood pass a game is good enough. Yet... He's so beloved by the manager, he's made skipper. So, you know, his starting place in the side looks to be less and less under pressure when it should be more and more under pressure. Longstaff, after doing well when he come back in the side, dipped alarmingly against Arsenal. Almirin, they can't find a place for him. In this new setup, he is essentially a number 10 
But the Saint wants to play as a 10, and the Saint gets what he wants because he's the best creative player we've got. So Almiron has been lost deep in the midfield morass and, and, and really has become ineffectual. His lack of form is alarming, and they've got to find a way to use him like they did in a different tactical setup when they used Almiron and split strikers, uh, Wilson and San Maximum around the time of the Everton result. There's Willock, of course, to come back into midfield, um, not having been available against Arsenal, and there'll be big pressure on Bruce to start him because of the goals he's got off the bench. Uh, so the midfield combination, what he does he stick with Shelby? Does he find a, a role that suits Almiron a bit more, and does he start with Willock? Decisions to be made in midfield. You can have the greatest two up front, you ask Supermac from the old days, but if you've got no midfield, if there's no Terry Hibbert, if there's no Cassidy or, or Tommy Craig, then the guy up front stands like a milk bottle. Um, so there's decisions to be made at Leicester in the middle of the park. Yeah, plenty of decisions to be made, plenty to, to be discussed, but I think, I don't know about you, John, but I think we all probably know the answer to whether Shelby will start or not. Um. I I would not start Shelby because I think he's yesterday's sort of player. I think football's uh, left him behind the modern game. It's all about pace and power and drive. And they are all the things that Shelby hasn't got. He may have vision. He may be able to pass the ball. But we are laboured in midfield and we are man light when we haven't got the ball in midfield. And for me, I wouldn't start him. But I can't see him being dropped. He is currently the skipper of the side and I don't think for one second he will be dropped. I'm also concerned about Almiron because he has so much advantage, yes, he can be a headless chicken, yes, he doesn't score enough goals, but he, he off works hard, etc. And he looks like a little boy lost at the moment, Andrew. Um, just before I get your score prediction, which player are you most fearing? I mean, I've just looked at the lineup from Leicester's game at Southampton. They drew 1-1, Southampton went down to 10 men pretty early on. So maybe that might give Newcastle some hope that Leicester couldn't get the better of uh, 10 men Southampton, but I look at their yep. squad, their start 11 um, is just goodness me. I mean, the, some of the players in there Vardy and Inacho, Madison, Tielemans, and Didi just brilliant. I mean, just brilliant players, you know, who could walk into this Absolutely. Newcastle squad. Inacho is the one that you've got to you've got to fear because he's so hot at the moment. It's absolutely untrue, and he's a maker as well as a taker. He he's taken over from uh, Harry Kane in the Premier League is the best current uh, maker and taker of goals. But I mean they've got so many others, and there's also the situation where Brendan Rodgers has become a perfect fit for Leicester uh, as manager and has done a, a terrific job. And if you remember, when he was coming out of Celtic, he was linked to Newcastle United. Mm. We keep trying to compare Leicester with Newcastle United and say Leicester's got everything going for him and we've missed out, and there you go. Um, what, do, what do we do at Leicester? Well, seven teams have gone to Leicester in the league this season and beaten them. But I don't see Newcastle United doing that, frankly, uh, sadly. They are beatable at home. They're, they're much more difficult away, and that's happened with a lot of sides during their lockdown. But uh, I can only see, if I'm truthful, the last win, unfortunately, and I would probably go for 2-0. Um, can Newcastle throw this away, this nine-point safety gap they've got over Fulham? No, Newcastle could throw it away, but Fulham on capable of, of making that happen. Um, and neither are West Brom and Sheffield United have already gone. Uh, the credit or the reason for Newcastle staying up is, is not what we are doing in the second half of the season, but the points we managed to uh, get before that and the abject failure 
of of the clubs at the bottom. I don't think Fulham can make it up, and I know they've got Newcastle on the last day, but I think they'll probably be down by the time we play. Thank goodness we've got Sheffield United and um, Fulham to finish with because we've got Leicester and Man City before that. Um, no, it, of course it's possible in theory, but I can't see West Brom or Fulham uh, getting out of this. I think they're already... Uh, in the lift along with Sheffield United and the buttons pressed to uh, go down to the basement. It's funny you should mention Sheffield United. That's just been confirmed that the Premier League plan to allow 10,000 fans in, just home fans, into the last two rounds of fixtures. So that means Newcastle potentially will have 10,000 fans in James's Park and Fulham will potentially have 10,000 fans at Craven Cottage on the final day, but no away fans. So that will certainly be interesting. I've had a mind blank, John. Did I ask you to give your score prediction there and did you give it or not? Yeah, I did. I think I think we're we're gonna go uh we're gonna lose two nil. Um as I say, they are vulnerable at their place rather than the way, but we are vulnerable to having lots of days like Arsenal and uh, I think it'll be two nil. Do you expect a game though from Newcastle or do you expect more of the same that we saw against Arsenal just sit back and invite the pressure and well, inevitably they, crumble. To, to be truthful, the Newcastle United of this season is this inept, cautious, uh, timid side that we've seen far, far too often. The only hope you ever have is that Newcastle, when they're at their lowest, when they're lower than a snake's belly, sometimes produce one stirring performance against all the odds and everybody says, hey, well, I had a real go there, that was good, etc. And then they lapse back into what they are. Uh, that is our only hope because if we are going to see any defiance anywhere, a defiance against the odds, then it's got to be against uh, Leicester City because it sure ain't going to be against Manchester City. And after that, it's not defiance against the other two. We are supposed to be in the driving seat against the other two. Um, so you've got to hope that they're stung by criticism, etc., etc., after Arsenal, and it produces some sort of temporary reaction at Leicester. But I won't hold my breath. Well, there we have it. John Gibson, ladies and gents, previewing that game against Leicester on Friday evening. Stick with us to hear from Leicester reporter Jordan Blackwell after this short break. So, Jordan, we'll start with Brendan Rodgers' press comments. I know you've just come out of it there. What did the Leicester City boss have to say regarding injury news and the task of facing Newcastle United? Um, well, injury news, there's... There was a couple of scares, I think, for Leicester. There's nothing serious. So Johnny Evans, who people may have seen hobbling around after the game against Southampton last weekend, uh, last Friday, sorry, um, he's had a scan on his uh, his foot and it's uh, he's come back all fine. There's no tear in his ligament, so uh, he's fine to carry on. But he has been sort of playing through the pain uh, for the past couple of months. Jamie Vardy took a knock as well and had a bit of a swollen ankle, but that's sort of calmed down a little bit, so he'll be fine as well. So. No real fresh injuries, obviously still Harvey Barnes and James Justin, the two long-term injuries, they're still both out, but, um, but nobody new on the, uh, on the sidelines. Uh, and as for the, for the game, he, <clears throat> Rogers kind of rejected the idea that um, Newcastle, because of their situation, because of their kind of clear of relegation, because they're you know, coming into that end of the season where we kind of start to hear the, the cliches about people, uh, you know, teams maybe being on the beach and players in their flip-flops and that kind of thing. Um, he, he kind of rejected that and said, um, really, because he because he, he thinks that the Newcastle um, fan base sort of demands performances, demands a level of performance, um, that he doesn't think Newcastle's performances will, will drop off in any way. Uh, now that they're coming into the to the end of the season, so he's still expecting a um, a tough game. His comments on Newcastle United and on Steve Bruce have definitely created a bit of a stir amongst the Newcastle United fan base. Um, I've just got them up here. He talks about Newcastle being a different type of game. He says they're good, good on the counter attack. They have some dangerous players, and they don't just sit back. Players with great speed. Uh, he says it'll be a tough game. Hopefully it'll be a tough game for Newcastle as well, he says. And then on Steve Bruce, uh, let me just find the comments because I know these ones have definitely created a bit of a stir 
over on Twitter. So asked about Steve Bruce, he said, I think Steve has done an outstanding job. He's limited in terms of the budget he has to spend on players, but he's had to go in and organise. Newcastle is an incredible club. The fan base, the expectation there, he's organised them very well. You can see the football idea. I think he's done an outstanding job and he's shown he's an excellent manager. Now, Newcastle United fans would say 17th in the league, uh, a run of only four wins in the last 24, 25 Premier League games is far from outstanding. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think it's probably a case of um, he, he's he's a nice bloke. Yes, Brendan Rodgers is. I think he's 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 not going to badmouth any managers, particularly um, you know ones that he, he that he comes up against fairly regularly. I'm sure he knows uh, Steve Bruce uh, fairly well from you know games against each other and you know just being in the in the game. So um, I, I would say he's probably overrating it a bit uh, in terms of being an excellent manager. Certainly from my experience watching Newcastle uh, over the past couple of years. Um, I wouldn't uh, necessarily say that um, I certainly wouldn't rank Bruce as among the, uh, among the, the top managers in the division, but um, yeah, so I think he was just, um, he said, I think he's also guarding against complacency as well. I don't think he wants to say anything about the fact that it could be an easier game for Leicester because it is really one that they need to win. Um given the, the, the features they've got and the, the fact that the, the top four is on the line. How much of an impact do you think that 1-1 draw with Southampton will have on this game? Because when you face a team that goes down to 10 men so early on, a team like Southampton who have fallen like a rock really in recent months, you know, Leicester City were favourites going into that game even before the cards were dealt in their favour with that red card. Do you think the fact that Leicester only managed a point will maybe, you know, encourage Leicester, encourage, encourage Brendan Rodgers even more to make sure that they don't throw away an opportunity against Newcastle on Friday, a game which they are seen as overwhelming favourites? I, I think it will, I think they probably will have analysed it in a sense that it could end up being a, a little bit of a similar game because of because of how Southampton had to set up. I think we've seen from Southampton this season that they're quite, uh, energetic um, they're sort of in your face but I think because of they had the red card so then they end up and they ended up um, sort of sitting a little bit deeper and sort of making the, the box as, as compact as possible and you'll be able to tell me better Andrew but I would say that that might be Newcastle's idea coming into the game to kind of to sit a little bit deeper and then try to use the the talents that they do have in the likes of Sam Maximan uh, uh, on the front foot um, you know, on the counter attack to try and get the, the ball forward quickly. So I think it will be, a, I think it will be a decent, almost rehearsal for Leicester for potentially this game on Friday. Um, but I think the the real problem was that they they just lacked a bit of energy. Um, they they had a I think it was their fourth game in thirteen days. Um, they played the they kind of played the last game of the previous round of fixtures by playing on the Monday night, and then they were playing the first game of the. Um, that weekend of fixtures by playing on the Friday night. So I think they were just lacking a little bit of energy in there. And I think, you know, you need that speed, you need that um, that intensity in your game in those um, forward areas when you are playing a team that defends deep. Um, and I think they lacked that. But after a, uh, a week off, um, or certainly a week to prepare, I think... Um, I think there's a. I think they should be able to, to move it a little bit more quickly and hopefully break Newcastle down. You say that Newcastle had quite a few days off uh, before this Arsenal game and looked like looked like they'd been the ones travelling all over the place for European for the Europa League. They were lacklustre. They were they were they were very poor and they tried to sit back and invite the pressure on, but inevitably, you know, Arsenal got the better of them. Um, and I think many Newcastle United fans will be hoping Newcastle don't approach the game in the same manner. We saw against Liverpool how. They didn't approach the game with fear, but against Arsenal, they seemed to have a, a bit too much respect for Arsenal, like it was the Arsenal of old in many ways. And you just hope that Steve Bruce and his coaching staff don't look at this Leicester side and see them battling for Champions League, see the great players they've got, because you know, you know Brendan Rodgers has got some talent to work from, but you just hope Steve Bruce doesn't look at that and in a way fear that, and he just tries to play to Newcastle's own strengths. But um, certainly was disappointing the way Newcastle played against Arsenal and they do need a response I think on Friday but 
you know, how important is this for Leicester in terms of that Champions League qualification, given the the result, the the fixtures coming up um, towards the end of the season? Yeah, I think I, I think it's important because they don't want to um, they don't want to get into a place where the pressure's on, and I think the and that's when they might, um, you know, they don't want to crumble again. I think after the experience of last season and kind of being in the top four all year and then sort of stumbling at the end and then eventually dropping out in the last couple of weeks, um, they, that will probably be playing on their minds a little bit. I think they've, they've responded much better to setbacks this season uh, and there's certainly been no dip in form um, like there was last season. I think there was last year it was a sustained run of um, kind of mid-table form, whereas this year, yes, they've dropped points here and there, but they've always responded pretty well. Um, so yes, I think it, it will be an important game because if they then don't win uh, again, that's two games back to back, not winning. The teams behind them might make up a little bit of ground, and then they might start to get a little bit worried. And then the fixtures they've got to to respond are against Manchester United, Chelsea, and Tottenham in the final three. So I think that I don't think there's there's a, a fear of those games because in the sort of the first round of fixtures, if you like, they got they took seven points off of those uh, three teams. Uh, so one, uh, two wins and one draw. So I don't think there's any, I don't think they're fearing or dreading those games um, and thinking that oh, they're not going to get any points so they've got to beat Newcastle. But uh, I would say that um, to not beat Newcastle, given the, the, the difference in, uh, uh, given where the two teams are in the league, I think that would be considered a, a real missed opportunity. I mean, from a Newcastle point of view, we've got Gaz there who um, is asking, can Newcastle secure Premier League football this weekend or do I see it going to the penultimate game? I think, um, I do think Newcastle will get beat off Leicester City and I do think they'll struggle against Manchester City. So it will probably go down to the games against Sheffield United. Um, hopefully by the time Fulham come around on the end, end, on the last day of the season, Newcastle will be safe. But I can't see them getting the better of Leicester City this weekend. I mean, Jordan, if they were to do so, how would, if you had the chance to ring Steve Bruce up and say, this is the way you get the better of Leicester City, what would you be telling them? I would say to play on the counter. I would say that's where <clears throat> uh, Leicester have been at their, their weakest this season, although they've done much better against the, the top clubs this year. Um, they've lost at home to West Ham, to Fulham, uh, to Villa, to Everton. Um, in, in all of those games, particularly the West Ham and the Fulham games, uh, they they sat back and just played on the counter and scored the first goal. Once they were able to get the first goal, they were able to sit back even more. Leicester were pulled out even more and that created uh, more spaces. Um, I think Leicester's defence, since they had all three of their main centre-backs fit, which is, has not been a, a regular feature this season, but they've been very good uh, in defence with Sort of back three of Fafana, Evans and, and Soyuncu, but I think there's occasionally a little bit of space behind the wing backs. Um, I think you to, to get the better of Leicester's defence, you do want to probably drag um, Fafana out to the right or Soyuncu out to the left to create a little bit more space uh, in the middle of the pitch. So I would say that's the probably the weak area. Um, <clears throat> in terms of defending against Leicester's players, I think uh, some of the defense, some of Newcastle's defenders will have to be wary of um, Vardy drifting um, left. Since Leicester have been playing with this two up front with Vardy and Ianacho, I think teams have probably made the mistake still of putting more than one man on Vardy and maybe applying too much focus to him. It's kind of understandable because of his you know, astonishingly good record over the past five years. Um, but that's allowed more space for Ianacho. And Ianacho is the one staying in the box, whereas Vardy's kind of drifting to the left um, and getting in there. So I think that's he, he's he's kind of going back to how he played when he first joined Leicester in the Championship. So this is like seven, eight years ago, where he's sort of stretching defences by pulling wide. Um, so there's a bit of a different role for him, but he's doing it very, very well. Um, <clears throat> and Ianacho's the one benefiting at the minute because he's the one uh, that's in the box and getting the chances. So... Uh, I I don't think it's uh, you know I think as you say Leicester probably are overwhelming favourites but 
I don't think it's I don't think it can be uh, discounted as a you know a straightforward defeat for for Newcastle. I think certainly there are examples earlier in the season of teams coming to Leicester and doing very well. How are the handle and the pressure? Because obviously last year you've already mentioned that kind of run of form they had. And they missed out on the Champions League this time around. They've got a they've got a decent cushion, but they have got tough fixtures coming up after the Newcastle game. So, how are they dealing with that pressure? Is there an expectation that this year they have to qualify for the Champions League, and does that play into things? I don't know if there's a feeling that they that they have to qualify for the Champions League. I just think they will be disappointed if they don't, um, because it has. Rodgers has kind of changed the way he speaks about it in that um, he always says, even though Leicester are third and they've been in the, they've literally been in the top four for every single week of the season. He's saying, Oh, we've not got a top four place until it's secure. So he's, I think he's trying to, to make it seem and as if um, Leicester don't have anything to defend. Whereas I think by the majority of fans, it's seen as, Leicester are the ones that have got something to lose, if you like. Um, in terms of the pressure, I'd, I think they'll be better. The players will be better off for for the experiences of last season. I think the I think Rogers has maybe hinted at before. Maybe there was a little bit of excitement because, I mean, at Christmas uh, in January they were they were fourteen points clear of fifth. Um, so I think there was maybe an expectation that they could kind of. Um, not coast through the second half of the season, but certainly didn't need to be at that level, at the top level, um, to, to you know to, to finish in the top four. And obviously, United, Manchester United, after they brought Bruno Fernandez in, kind of produced title-winning form for the rest of the season. That that was eventually Leicester's downfall. Um, this season, it's not been that case because there's, although they've been in the top four for the whole season, they've never they've never had a real substantial gap. I think it's only ever got as high as eight, eight points, something like that. Uh, obviously it's down to, to five at the minute. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of wariness there. As I said before, they've, any setbacks they've had, they've responded really well to the injuries. Injuries affected them massively last season, but this year they've kind of, um, the squad's a little bit deeper and they've managed to, to negotiate those better. The recent change in formation, I think is the best example of that. Leicester basically completely altered the their their usual setup and and they've still managed to pick up results. Um, you know, Ian Acho scoring a ridiculous amount of uh, goals. I think it's uh, twelve in twelve goals in ten games. So um, yeah, I think it's. Um, I don't think the pressure's getting to them as much because there's not really any evidence this season of, of them kind of stumbling they've always managed to to keep the form pretty much they've always had kind of top six form uh, throughout the season and looking at Newcastle is there a player that you're looking forward to seeing on Friday uh well Sam Maxima uh I, I I've been watching a Newcastle a little bit um I think I watched the uh the the West Ham game a, a couple of weeks ago um, of course, being uh, being in the stadiums and sort of following Leicester, I am a Leicester fan, so I don't get to celebrate the goals. So the only goals I get to celebrate are the the ones that are scored against Leicester's rivals. So I did. Uh, I think that that Willock goal at the end was probably the most I've celebrated a goal this season. Um, but certainly from what I've seen of Sam Maximan, he is one of the um, the best dribblers in the league in terms of the how close he, he you know how. Um, it, it, you know the level of his close control uh, that he's able to move at, at speed and still keep the ball, you know, right next to him. And um, you know he, uh, the, the bits I saw of the, the Liverpool game recently as well. He kind of tormented, uh, you know, a lot of very good players. So um, yeah, I think he's the one. Uh, I think probably previously I've kind of wondered. Um, if he quite had the the end product in terms of yes, he's very very good at dribbling forward and getting it to the box, um, but then he's a is he a bit is he a bit too showbiz and you know a bit throwing in too many step overs he's, rather than he's certainly quite... added that to his game. I think yes. you know since he's come back from from the long layoff from COVID and the injuries, he, there's certainly been a bit of a change and you can see he's making the right decisions now. When Jacob Murphy scored a few, uh, a few weeks back. 
Uh, that was Alan St. Max. I think it was against Burnley. Alan St. Maxman, you know, pulled the ball back from the byline where usually you would see him maybe going and taking on the same defender again or trying to get the ball in from a tight angle. But he made the right decision, pulled it back and Murphy scored. And that that turned out to be an absolutely crucial goal. And then he went and scored the winner. Um, so, yeah, you definitely can see that coming into his game more. And he loves the challenge. And I'm no doubt that Brendan Rodgers will maybe set his team out to maybe try and rattle St. Maxman, maybe focus on him a bit. But that's the kind of challenge he loves. He's really in his element. The downside of that is if he doesn't have a good game or he doesn't really turn up like he didn't against Arsenal, then Newcastle really do not have a threat. And that is that is a, a real worry, not just for against Leicester, but looking ahead to next season as well. Yeah, and I think that I, I agree with you from what you said. Uh, I do think recently he, he looks to have provided a lot more uh, from a from an end product point of view. But yeah, I think you, you're right in terms of obviously Newcastle have got. Um, I don't know. I'm, I think that this is probably an opinion shared by most Newcastle fans that that Callum Wilson is probably the the, the best striker the club have had in a in a few years. But it, like all good strikers, they still require a little bit of service and they need. I think when I've seen Newcastle previously, sometimes it feels like there's such a, a a huge gap between where the defenders are and where Wilson is, and you kind of you need players in the middle there to to actually get the ball to him and, and to get him chances. Uh, I think he's done very well off maybe a, not quite as um, probably off a, a limited supply in terms of what maybe other Premier League strikers um, get. So yes, I think players like Sam Maximan are important. I think Harvey Barnes is probably a the the closest example Leicester have, obviously they've, they've kind of they've missed him for these past couple of months, but he's certainly a player that um, the focus with him was always, I think where he perhaps differed from other wingers is that he wasn't about the, the tricks and flicks or anything like that. Is literally the first thought is how can I get the ball forward as quickly as possible? How can I get an assist? How can I get a goal? So it's all very efficient. He's not flashy in any way. Um, and I do think that, that, even though Barnes is only 23, I think he's probably um, someone that a lot of other wingers could perhaps learn from because he's because he is so efficient with it. Um, so yes, I think it's when you've not when you've not got maybe the 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 ball players. I think Leicester now get it kind of from defence to to attack because they've got ball players like Tielemans and Madison, particularly Tielemans. Um, so they don't necessarily need a dribbler like Barnes to get the ball forward because they can pass it through the lines. Looking at Newcastle, I wouldn't necessarily say that they, certainly they don't have any players to the to the level of quality Tielemans is. Um, so you need players like Sam Maxman just to get the ball forward. Um, so yeah, you're right. It, it becomes a, you know, a, a crucial role to actually get Newcastle on the attack, never mind to actually do the, you know, to do the bits at the business end in terms of providing goals and assists as well. Mm, I often think if, the, if you're the opposition manager, the you know Newcastle's game plan is sometimes the easiest because essentially it does look to be give Alan, Alan St. Maximum the ball and hope he, he can do something magical, which he often does. But you know that's yeah, you do need a, a plan B, C, D for when that that doesn't work. Um, how would you see Friday going then? Will Leicester get the win and get those valuable points for Champions League qualification? I think they will. I think. Um... Uh, I think they are. They do have too much quality. They are playing pretty well. As I said, the Southampton game was maybe a little bit of an anomaly in terms of um, there was a little bit of tiredness in the team, but certainly the current setup is working very well. The combination um, between um, Vardy and Nacho has been uh, superb. The defence is extremely strong with the with the three in there at the minute. I think there's been a little bit of debate um, among Leicester fans about whether Madison, Madison should keep his place or whether Perez should come back in. So that adds another storyline in terms of uh, the uh, playing against Newcastle. Um, I think Madison's come off a, a pretty uh, two and a half month injury. And I think there's a feeling that it, because he's not quite fit, he's not quite quite at the level uh, that he that he can be. I think if both players are fully fit, Madison is the better player. But um, Perez's performances in the kind of the number 10 position behind Vardy and Inacho, uh just before the last international break, uh, and particularly in the, the cup quarter final against United, were two of his best performances for the club. And Madison hasn't 
reach that level. So I think there's been a bit of debate as to who will play. Um, so it'd be interesting. I think Rogers that may be something Rogers considers um, bringing Perez back in, um, but we'll have to wait and see on that front. But yes, I think I would say Leicester have uh, too much quality, and I think that the the Southampton game was an outlier. I don't think it's any sign of a you know the pressure getting to them or the the form dipping. I think they are still playing very well, um, and I think they'll win. Oh, I'll say, I say both teams will score. I'll say two one. Two one. I mean, Leicester does seem to be a bit of a bogey side for for Newcastle. Uh, I I don't know. I think I, I do think Leicester will win. I just hope it's not a familiar scoreline. You know, we've seen some thumpings from Leicester in, in recent years, and that's always the fear. And Newcastle, of course, still not yet safe from from relegation. So the sooner they pick up the points, the better. But I do I do think they'll have to wait another weekend to secure safety. And I do do see Leicester winning here. I'm going to say 3 0. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm wrong with that scoreline. Hopefully, I'm wrong with that result. But yeah, I just, uh, yeah, Leicester just got too much quality, as you say. But thanks, Jordan, for joining us on the Everything is Black and White podcast. You guys listening, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you get us through. And head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for the latest Newcastle United news.